Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast, a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com. The show on where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. Thank you so much for checking back in and telling your friends, helping this podcast grow and reach more people. I so appreciate all your feedback and, of course, the clients you send me for podcast production and monetization. Make sure to check out some of the other Jewish coffeehouse podcasts like Orthodox Conundrum, Intimate Judaism, Chochmat Nashim, and Let My People Eat. Check the backlog of this podcast and make sure to keep checking back in for new and exciting episodes. I'm actually looking for a guest for an episode that I'm doing on working parents, working mothers, and raising children with Jewish day school schedules. So if you'd like to be a guest on that show, let me know. Also check out the Mayan Orthodox Life podcast we did with Dr. Fra, as well as the follow-up episode with my sister, Esti Goldschmidt. You can go back and listen to Botox and plastic surgery in the firm community. You can listen to the panel on post-snea stress disorder and the panel we did on birth control. What we're working on, and it's coming up soon, we have From Sex Ed, a panel, as well as a Me Too panel, Please keep reaching out with all your incredible feedback, positive and negative, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Francisca Show. I am so excited to be back here. It is hard to keep upping all the episodes, but I am very confident in this one being a great one. It's the first of a two-part series on singles, matchmaking, and the stage of life in From an Orthodox Judaism. And today on the part one episode that is all about singles, the singles experience, and what everyone else needs to know, we have a special guest, Tepora Zalmanowitz from Queens, New York who happens to be a trust and estates litigator, which is here as a representative because Tapora is a singles and mental health advocate who uses social media as a platform to coach singles and marrieds on empowering one another regardless of marital status. I am so excited to have the unattached recovery warrior with us. Tapora, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us in about a sentence or two who you are and what you do. Oh, man, a sentence or two. Okay. I am a 32-year-old unattached woman who's very passionate about self-development and helping others get to a place of love and acceptance of themselves, regardless of marital status. What is your background in terms of orthodoxy? I grew up from, from birth, went to Basiaco for elementary school. I went to Manhattan High School for girls and to Dark Ibina. So I had a pretty middle of the road from trajectory, I would say. Grew up with all the normal from things, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. And today, like I'm still from, thank, thank you, Hashem, having been single for as many years as I have, I've definitely become a lot more open-minded and 
I don't like using the terminology modern, but if I had to put myself into a box, I would say modern orthodox machmir, whatever that means. So Okay, wonderful. Well, I wasn't asking for that much detail in terms of <laughs> boxing yourself, but we'll take it. Tell us a little bit about what it's like when you grow up and your whole goal in life is to get married as soon as you get back from seminary or as soon as you get your degree. And that's the education. This is the system. This is the Tofkid. What happens and at what point did you have to self-educate because the system was done educating or working for you? It's a great question. For me, I can remember being as young as maybe eight to 10 years old and thinking about marriage already. And like you said, like I think it's so ingrained in our education, both at home and in school, that like the topic is to get married and have a family. And because the from community is so family oriented, there really isn't a sense of belonging outside of having a family. So as a young person, you're sort of involved in the community as a teenager, a young person in school, you're part of your family of origin unit. But yeah, at that point of, you know, seminary and post-seminary, all of a sudden, there's all this pressure to get married and start your own family. And yeah, there was maybe a, a handful of classes that I took in 12th grade and seminary that touched on the subject of dating for marriage and having a from household, but there wasn't formal education on how to date, what to look for, what your priorities should be, how to say no, how to deal with rejection, because these are all very normal parts of dating, unless you're fortunate enough to marry the first person you go out with. And for me, my personal experience was that by the time I was 21, many of my closest friends were married and having children already, and I was struggling to get dates. So I had to really look outside of matchmakers and friends to self-educate on how to really keep my spirits up uh, when there's all this pressure and feeling like I'm the odd one out and I'm only 21 years old. Like I didn't have my degree yet. I wasn't at a point in life where I was independent. I was still very much dependent on my parents and finding my way in life. So I don't know, I want to kind of stop there and sort of check in to see if that's answered your question up until this point. That's excellent. What happens now? My personal experience, and I'm sure many can relate to this, not having get not having a lot of dates, watching my friends get married, start their families, it really took a toll on my self-esteem and my worthiness because I thought that I was going to come back from seminary and be that girl that married the first guy she went out with. I was so sure about that. I had an excellent resume. I came from a good family. I was a good-looking girl, put together, sweet, very giving, and didn't like talk back to people. Like I, <laughs> I, I really felt like I was like the the cookie cutter wife, and so having little success with shidduchim at such a young age, 
I became very susceptible to whoever wanted to go out with me, whoever wanted to spend time with me, I was going to take it regardless of the appropriateness of the match or the shit. And so that went on for a few years where I would just say yes to anyone who said yes to me. And some people are of the philosophy that that's how you do it anyway. But what happened for me was that it ended up lowering my self-esteem even more because I was being suggested or meeting men or boys, I should say at the time that were really not compatible for me on many levels, but I came to believe that that's what I was worth. And so the longer I continued in that pattern, the less self-esteem I had. And quite frankly, I think that that is an energy that's put out into the world and certainly detracted any positive opportunities that could have come my way. Thankfully, I got myself into therapy, but it was very hush-hush. I don't think anyone was very happy about it at the time. (laughs) It's like a catch-22 because you felt like you needed the therapy to get you married. And then you're afraid that the therapy will keep you from getting prospects. Exactly, exactly. So I had like one friend who was also in therapy at the time. So she was the only person I was able to confide in. I don't even know at what point I told my mother that I was you know, going to therapy because I was in law school at the time. So I was independent. I was driving. So I didn't really need to tell her and I was paying for it on my own. But I remember feeling like scared to tell her. And certainly it wasn't something that could be revealed to the world at large, but slowly but surely having developed some trust in a relationship with this therapist, she really helped me in in the dating world. And now I'm so open about being in therapy. It's like I send everyone to therapy. I'm like, here's my therapist number. Please call her. Get yourself some help. Uh, Therapy was a game changer for me in terms of rebuilding self-esteem and confidence. And it started a journey of self-discovery that I, I don't think I would have encountered had I gotten married younger. Looking back, you're speaking as a very empowered person right now. You're taking full responsibility for everything. However, I can just hear voices of, I, I can imagine myself or a friend saying, this one shouldn't have done that. And I was so young and I was just listening to the device of my teachers and my parents and my matchmakers and my friends. Go back to that person. What do you think may have contributed to your situation if you didn't have to take full responsibility today? One of the most memorable experiences that I had as a young girl I was 19, maybe 20, meeting one of the first matchmakers that I met was being told that what I had described I was looking for did not exist. What was that? At the time, it was a young man who was Kovea Eaton, but also either in school or had a job from but worldly. Because that's really how I saw myself. And I still see myself that way. The combination of a guy who is both connected to his Yiddishkeit and also in the secular world of working was uncommon for younger men at the time. They were either full-time yeshiva or maybe in Turo College, an all-men's you know, college. I don't know that what I described was unattainable, <laughs> but that's what I was told. And it turned me off so bad. 
It really did. It really had me, I almost felt gaslit in a sense that like, what you're describing doesn't exist. And I knew that that wasn't true, but I had to self-reflect and, and sort of redefine what it was that I was looking for. I had other matchmakers tell me I was too young and they wouldn't set me up on dates, even though my friends were getting engaged before I even went on my first date. So things like that at a very young age of 1920 definitely played a role in how I felt about Shadokim, how I interacted with matchmakers. When I started getting more dates as I was getting a little bit older, I felt very compelled to say yes to everyone, right? Because it's like, oh, you're finally giving me the attention. You're finally sending me suggestions. I don't want to say no, even if it's an outlandish suggestion, because then you might never set me up again. Or you're going to tell me I'm too picky or that, I don't know, some other crazy thing. And that was my biggest fear. It was like, you can't turn the matchmakers away from you. So just say yes, bite the bullet, suck it up. It's a three hour date. But it's exhausting. Dating is exhausting. It, it takes oh, yes. an emotional, mental, physical toll on you. It's like interviewing for a job, except it's for life. <laughs> Much worse. Exactly. Would you say the shidduch system is rigged against women? No, I would not say that. I think that the shidduch system is made for a certain type of person, male or female. I think when you're dealing with pieces of paper rather than humans, it's very easy to make matches, right? So this girl went to these sets of schools and has this job is a perfect match for this guy who went the, went to these sets of schools and has is this is learning in this yeshiva is much easier than girl who went to Basiakov in Manhattan High School. I'm pointing at myself and now works as an attorney and doesn't always cover her knees or her elbows. It's humans are very complex and people who are okay with just being set up based on stats, they, they find success. And, and that's not to say that they themselves are surface level people. I think once you end up meeting a date, you develop a connection, whatever it may be. But I mean, I hate to say this, but it really is a numbers game. The more people you date, the more likely it is that you'll find the right person. So to the extent that girls tend to get fewer dates than guys do, then, you know, but again, I wouldn't say it's that Shidduchim is stacked against them. I just think that the guys have more opportunities, not that they necessarily take them though. For anyone who's wondering what I'm talking about, it's the guys usually get the suggestion first. And whether it's them or their parents, their ego or their self-esteem is really high up because there are multiple resumes coming across their tables, even though they probably might or they might lack the social skills to actually ask a girl out on a date if they had to do it for themselves. Yep. Meanwhile, the woman or the female end of the shidduch only gets to know about a prospect once the guy says yes. And I could see how both ways people could be upset because the guys can be thinking, and now I have to do all this work and I have to pay for the date and invest in the date. Whereas the girl only has to deal with an actual potential prospect who's already committed to going out. Right. Okay. I'd like to touch upon another aspect. 
what do you think happens or why is this very common, at least in my experience, that as women get older, and I think men as well, they don't stay religiously on the same level. And I would just like to put a disclaimer out. I don't think anyone stays religiously the same. However, in a family framework, they fit into communities or blend in more than when you're unmatched, as you put it, <laughs> single. You stick out like a thorn and for everyone to watch as you transition or journey, I like to call it the religious spectrum, where, where you're finding yourself as you get older. Why is there this, let's call it, trend of just becoming a little bit more modern mm -hmm. with, with the years? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think it really comes down to the fact that the from community is very family centric. And so absent a family, it's very hard to feel a sense of belonging. And humans, I mean, this is like my psychology rant, right? But humans thrive on a sense of belonging, right? We need that connection. And so if I am part of a community that doesn't value me as an adult single person, it's very hard for me to stay connected to that, right? I don't feel respected. I'm 32 years old and I'm being treated as if I'm still a child because I'm not married. Whereas if a 19-year-old girl is married and has her shaito and is in shul, she's given a lot more respect than I am. And so looking at that just from an objective perspective, like it, 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 it's hard to reconcile that. And it's hard to, to say, I want to continue to be a part of this when I don't feel like I have a space or that I'm not being respected. What are some ways that can change or you can think of that would make women or men feel more respected in a community that is so family oriented. Treat us with respect. <laughs> what are some practical things? How? Okay. So I'll tell one that really always bothered me. You you have okay. a simcha and then you have the different tables and then the singles are are with the younger kids and that they don't belong there. They belong with their age appropriate siblings, in-law family and cousins. So that's one that always yeah, drove me crazy. Sure. How about you? Definitely. I haven't seen someone in a while and, you know, they say, oh, what's new? What's doing with you? And I sort of get the sense they're like asking, like, are you dating anyone? Don't ask me if I'm dating. Don't Like, how's dating going? I hate that question. How do you think it's going? I'm still single. It's not going great. <laughs> um, you know, I would never ask you a personal question about your marriage, right? I mean, I would hope not. It's okay for you to ask me about my dating life. One answer would be because I want to know whether you're available so I can set you up. I don't want them to assume the only reason I'm reaching out or speaking to them is because I want to set them up. And just because I'm married doesn't mean because anyone could be a matchmaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I think the question comes from. Or it's probably just a conversation maker, which is probably the most annoying conversation maker ever. Right. To be fair, if, if a married person is trying to ask if I'm available for dating, you know, that's lovely. And I'm always so appreciative when people think of me. But I think that there's a way to approach it, right? It's not like, oh, are you dating anyone now? Or what's how's dating? But hey, I thought I have someone for you. I'm just curious if you're available to, you know, for dating right now. 
it's a slight change in language, but it makes all the difference. Something that also really bothers me, and I've spoken to my other single friends about this, is you know when I'm in a group of married friends and they're talking about strollers and diapers and babies and schools, and the, and then someone will pause and be like, "Guys, let's switch the topic because like Tapora like doesn't want to hear about all of this." I hate that. I hate that because in, if no one would have noticed that I was the only single person in the group until that comment is made. And for me, I want to hear about my friends' lives, whether that's their husbands, their babies, the schools, the carpools, the shop. Just as much as I want them to be interested in my life, of course I want to hear about that. I don't need you to stop talking about these things because I'm here and you think I'm going to be offended. If I don't want to participate in the conversation, I'll let you know. But to bring attention to like, you know, guys, we shouldn't talk about this because she can't relate. Or that's another favorite line. Like, you'll understand when you're married. That might be the case. But there's something very condescending yes. in, in saying something yes. like that. You'll understand when you're married. You'll understand when you're a mother. I never liked this when I was a kid. You'll understand when you're older. Yeah. Oh. I think kids understand a lot more than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Call the Homer when you're talking to adults and peers or sometimes people who are older than you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about careers. Did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer or was that something at one point you're like, hey, I don't have a husband. Let me go do something (laughs) that. Right. Lawyer was not the first choice. Definitely not. I wanted to become a social worker. It was shorter schooling, better hours. Practical. a COLA wife, right? And when I was looking into master's programs, I came across a joint master social work degree with a law degree. And at the time I was, I don't know, 21, I guess, or 22 when I started law school. So again, it was a perfect time in my life when all my closest friends were getting married. Um, and I was like, you know, I need to change things up. And I knew it was going to be a thing. I was so afraid to tell my parents. I remember I told my father before I told my mother because <laughs> I knew my mother would freak out more. And um, my father's reaction was like, does your mother know about this? <laughs> and I said, no, not yet. You could tell her though. Um, and you know, it, it was difficult. I, ha- I got a lot of pushback, not from my family, like Baruch Hashem, they really got on board with it. But for matchmakers and other people in the community, oh, you're going to intimidate guys. No one's going to want to date you. (sighs) Lines like that irk me because it's putting, it's, it's, it's essentially saying that we as people know better than God. And the way that I approach Shadokim is that God's the one running the world, right? And I try to, apply that in all areas of my life, not just dating. I do my Ishtabas. I put myself out there. I'm open to suggestions and dates. But at the end of the day, Hashem knows what my future holds. And yes, humans are many times the Shaliach of Hashem. But to say that what I'm doing to make myself happy or what I'm doing to make money and potentially support a husband and family is going to turn people away. 
I don't believe that that's how God runs this world. I don't believe that I'm going to be punished by not getting dates or not getting married because I chose to become a lawyer. And it's funny because I have, you know, married friends who are doctors and have other professional, you know, PhD degrees. And it's like, did they get that same pushback? I don't know. Maybe they did. Yeah. It was not a decision that was taken lightly at all, but it's also a decision that I don't regret for a second. I love my job and I think it makes me a better person and it also helped me build self-confidence believe it or not because you gotta be you gotta have some tough skin in the legal world so I think it was actually a really big bracha that I became a lawyer yeah I being a lawyer a hundred percent (laughs) okay let's talk about your role as somebody who people seek mentorship from and coaching what can Mm -hmm. you talk about the community of singles and what do you do for them or what are their needs? Yeah, I took a a personal growth and and development course through an organization several years ago. And one of the assignments was to create a community-based project. And it would require me to ask people for help and get insight and input and all the things that were completely outside my comfort zone. The, the idea of helping singles was something that came to me right away. I just had no idea how, what, where, who I would speak to. And the, the idea came to me that I wanted to start having seminars for single people, their mothers, matchmakers. Let's all get into a room together and facilitate an open discussion about what works and what doesn't work. Let's facilitate growth and respect between one another. And when I presented the idea to a couple people, I was met with, that sounds great, but start small. And I remember feeling so disappointed because the message was, it's not going to work. So like, don't set yourself up for disappointment and failure. So start small. So this way, if it doesn't work, you won't be too disappointed. Sounds like exactly the same message you got when you started dating. What you're uh looking for doesn't exist. (laughs) Lower uh-huh. your expectations. Yeah, it's a theme in my life. Lower your expectations. No wonder you love Aliza Benshalom. She's somebody who doesn't live by that. Correct. And she's someone that I did events with. We actually did seminars together. It was primarily for singles, but they were focused on empowering singles. It wasn't just about, let's bash all the things that are wrong with the chef system. Let's facilitate conversations, both from men and from women, so that we can come to an understanding of how we each operate in the dating world. And we got a lot of positive feedback from those seminars. So she was definitely part of my journey in in opening the discussion for singles. So that's where it it began. It was those seminars with Elisa becoming more public on social media because people weren't talking about singlehood on social media. Now it's like so in to talk about being an empowered single, but I mean, this goes back, you know, five years ago, people weren't talking about it. It was very much like, let me just stay in my lane and hope and pray I get married and never have to talk about being single ever again. By being open and sharing my personal experiences and my feelings like really vulnerably, I connected with a lot of singles that way. I met some of like my closest friends today through social media because it was like, oh my gosh, this girl is talking about my the stuff I think about and that I deal with. And she's saying it publicly. Like, what does this mean? 
And what I came to find out was that so many people, guys too, believe it or not, guys would message me also, like, thank you for saying this. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you for saying what so many of us think and feel. And all of a sudden, we started creating a community of our own where we felt welcome, where we felt understood and a sense of belonging. And the things that were hush hush and now is totally normal. Yeah, I'm a career person, like being proud to be, you know, some higher education, a degree, talking about how much rejection stinks, right? No one talks about like coming home from a date thinking you had such a great time and then the other person says no and you wanting to just eat a tub of ice cream. No one talks about, you know, dating someone for X amount of time and then it doesn't work out for one reason or another. And then you're told, like, just get back out there. Don't take time to heal or reflect. Just keep dating and dating. At one point, I had taken a year and a half off from dating. Year and a half, right? In the firm world, you don't do such a thing. The pushback that I got from matchmakers, you're missing out, you're losing out on opportunities, there are great people out there, don't miss out. No one cared that I was struggling. No one cared that I was so burnt out, so broken by the system that all I wanted to do was just crawl up in my bed and stay there forever, right? No one cared about that. I was like, just date and date and date and date and burn out and burn out. And then ho- hopefully someone will find that attractive. But quite frankly, I don't know how anyone would have found me attractive at that time in my life because I was really miserable. I was really miserable. You didn't find yourself attractive. No, not at all. I mean, and I that's was probably what, being my, miserable. My, yeah, I was probably like my thinnest, my prettiest, my whatever is at the time. And I was my most unhappy. And so I don't even remember what the question was, but the point is that it's really important to take time to figure out what it is that you want and need. And if you need that break, take that break. And it's okay to take that break. This does not answer the question. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope you can cut this out. But what was the question again? No, the question is, what are some of those things that needed to be spoken about? Right. Taking breaks. Thank you. That was the question. That was. Yes. The importance of, of taking breaks. I'm not suggesting that everyone take a year and a half off from dating, but I think it's perfectly normal to take a couple of weeks in between relationships or even in between, you know, disappointments to self-reflect, heal your, your heart and redirect yourself to prevent burnout. Yeah. A lot of people really resonated with that and resonated with the pushback that they've received from, you know, people telling them not to take a break or not to say no to opportunities that present themselves I mean, the suggestions that I've gotten over the years of people who were so off target for me and, and, and still being pushed to, to give it a shot because you never know, you never, that's my, like one of the, the most dreaded lines is you never know. No, sometimes you do know. Uh, I'm a grown up woman. I know myself very well. I know what I need. I know what doesn't work for me. And if I'm saying no, Don't tell me that you know that I know, because that does not work for me. Just because you're married or just because you're a matchmaker doesn't mean you know better. It just doesn't. 
So when respect my no, if you respect my yes, respect my no. Someone on Instagram actually once gave me that line. Someone that I, I met through it. Instagram. It's, the, it's one of my favorite lines now. If you respect my yes, respect my no. Now, so many couples did get married, or as Aliza says, got to the chuppah because of that pushy or or guide guiding guidingness. What's the word? Sure, direction. Um, direction. Guidance. 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 Maybe. There we go. What what kind of guidance works and what kind of guidance doesn't? Question, because I do think that there are some people that work well with encouragement if they're unsure about a decision with respect to dating. That being said, it's impossible for me to weigh in on that because of the people who got married young or who were pushed to get married. I don't know who's happy. I don't know who's still married. So you could still be married, but that doesn't mean you have a happier and healthy marriage. And for me, my goal is not to be married. My goal is to be happy in life. Wanting that to be with a, a partner, absolutely. But if I, if Hashem says, Sabora, you'll be much happier and successful in life as a single woman, that's something that would be very hard for me to live with. But if that's my topic in life, that's my topic in life. It's it should not the focus should not be on just get married. hundred percent. Question this way. When you build a relationship in, in the community that you're building and you you're you're you have a support system, someone else who is in your boat, in your shoes, but then they are transitioning out of it. What's that like? Do you hate them? Do you envy them? Are you happy for them? How mm. does that work? It's a great question. And I'm sure the answer is different for every person. So we'll do this. But, yes. I think personal. it's also different at different stages in life. You know, when I was younger, when I was 21 and watching my best friends get married, I was devastated for myself. I was very self-centered at the time. Probably still am. But why her, not me? I want what she has. Later in life, I have one very close friend who was like my dating buddy, my single partner in crime. She got married a couple of years ago. And I was so happy for her. So happy. And at the same time, sad for me. So what I've come to learn is that two emotions can be operating at the same time without detracting from one another. My younger brother got engaged broke off his engagement, got engaged again and married before I got engaged once. I, I can't describe how 1,000 million percent happy I was for him without even a bit of sadness for myself. And that's just my, you know, my journey. So I've gone from the jealousy, resentment, self-pity to sad but happy also to completely happy. Because when I, my, a line that my mother loves to say, and, and it, it rings so true, is that for every guy that gets engaged, there's a single girl who's gotten engaged to him, right? So just as I'm happy for, my, my goal in life is not for everyone to stay single so that we can have a pity party together, right? Like I want to see people get married if that's what's right for them. It's not always easy. The transition is hard. I can't even imagine what it's like to go from being a single person to now all of a sudden being in a couple and having to rejigger your 
time commitments with work and cooking for our household, spending time with your husband, wanting to spend time with family, wanting to spend time with friends. It's a major transition. So I'm not here, you know, I can't possibly judge or comment on what that's like. I can feel sorry for myself, but it doesn't really get me very far. So the (laughs) the long answer is that I think each friendship is different. And for anyone to say, our friendship will never change when I get married, you know, because I know what it's like. I think that's false. I think it's very easy to say now as a single person, not wanting to hurt your friends. But my bracha to my friends is always that like, I hope our friendship does change. I hope that you, you know, get to be in a happy, healthy relationship where you have to figure out how to transition. And if our friendship is strong enough, it will withstand that transition time. I've had that with many friends. And I have many very close friends who are married and I don't, I don't feel like I'm treated differently. I don't feel like I'm pitied. I don't feel like they you know, need to make time for me. They want to make time for me. So I think everyone has different experiences with that, but that's been mine. I love everything you're saying. I think it's so helpful. I'd like to wrap up this episode. If there's anything you could tell a shotgun or someone who wants to be setting you up, And then on the flip side, if there's anything you'd like to tell parents of singles or singles themselves, what would that be? I think my my biggest message across the board is as a single person, trust yourself, trust your instinct, trust your intuition. As a parent, if you're trusting your child to get married, trust them in making decisions for themselves when it comes to dating. And the same thing for matchmakers, right? If you're setting someone up and they say no, or they say whatever it is they need to say, really listen to them. Respect what they have to say. If you feel differently, have a respectful conversation about that difference. But don't treat us like children, because I'm 32 years old, I'm not a child. And I would even go so far as to say that a 19-year-old is not a child either if we're trusting them to date for marriage. So regardless of age, treat us with respect across the board. And I think we will have much better communication and hopefully many more shidduchim. Amen. I have one more question. Yes. Is what you're looking for now different or has it evolved from what you were looking for originally when you started thinking of dating? Yes and no. At the core, I've always been looking for someone with good midos, someone who's respectful and thoughtful, and that has never changed. Hashkafa has ebbed and flowed over the years, so that's you know definitely changed for me, but the core values has never changed. Someone who's a good, kind person is going to be a good, kind person, whether he wears a black hat or jeans. Thank you so much, Sephora. This was so fun, but also really educational. Thank you and- for having me. I hope people are a little bit more sensitive, respectful. I think respectful is the theme of this episode. If there's one word that encompasses what the single community members of the from community needs is respect. Perfectly said. Thank you. Where can people find you? More. On Instagram, that's really my jam. And I'm sure you'll you'll put my handle in the show notes. Um, but I'm free to be TZ. Okay, amazing. Friend, thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, 
please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great. Let me help you launch and produce your show and take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes and make sure to tune in next time. See ya.